Welcome back to Don't Cut a Book Club. My name is Luke. My name's Dan. We're through three quarters of Oathbringer, up to chapter 101, through 100 chapters, mm. which is a lot. It's quite I a lot. Say. It's quite a thick tome we're working through this, this right. series. Before we get into Oathbringer, I want to get us warmed up a little bit with something that's a little bit related to to the fantasy and science fiction genre. Ooh, okay. A, a rare, like, related warm-up, which I appreciate. Right, right. Um, so there's a lot of work that goes into developing lore in fantasy and science fiction. Sure. Like, for example, I was just going down a YouTube rabbit hole earlier of watching Warhammer... 40k videos which if you're not are you familiar with warhammer i mean i know what it is but i don't know anything like it essentially just it's this huge like universe that has so much lore and people spent Mm -hmm. writing about it that it's like it's massive there's like thousands of pages published in the warhammer universe and like huge online communities about it and all this stuff i love that i love deep lores where there's just so much material about it and you can really dig in but it makes me feel a little guilty sometimes and it makes me feel a little guilty because there's like real lore like real lore (laughs) exists and it's called history but honestly i don't care that much about it and i'm way more interested in like uh the manufacturing company that produces r2d2 robots in star wars and all of the lore behind that company yes i'm so excited to learn about that yeah i know know what you mean it feels exactly what you mean it feels kind of bad that i just don't get care that much about real history when i'm sure there are like so many cool and interesting stories in real history that would be like or maybe not even cool and interesting, valuable. Just like valuable yeah. history for me to know that's like, oh yeah, I should probably know that uh, Abraham Lincoln only had nine toes or something. I don't know. Just like stuff that would be valuable. Yeah, I feel like with with like fantasy or science fiction lore, it's not even necessarily like more interesting yeah that's true yeah than like actual history but i do like i'm much more i feel like likely to read it yes and i don't know why i wonder how much of this is like when you're doing lore for a a a story that's not real you can be like definitive and like that's the story and i wonder how much like the writing of history is just less satisfying because of that this is what i'm starting to come to as well is like there's no there's no which is strange to say this but there's no canonical version of past events whereas there is a canonical version of which company produced r2d2 and that feels so much better to me for some reason that it's just like oh yeah this is just how it is in star wars or uh warhammer there's just yeah this is what happened that's it whereas with that which is strange right it's weird that there's no canonical history 
in reality and the things that actually did happen, right? Right. Well, I think they're like in in like a a, a canonical story. Mm-hmm. The let's say the narrator like is giving you the information and because it's a story you can assume that it's true. Somewhat, yeah. But yeah. I also yes. Or let's let's stipulate that it's not like an unreliable narrator. Um and like I th- I feel like it's often simplified for that in ways that you don't quite realize unless you're thinking about like re- real history because like if I'm looking at real history I can learn like the same events or at least broad events and then just learn that like my previous explanation for it was just wrong because the like writer had interpreted something or like missed some kind of like random like small thing because like even today like the events that are happening today are like there's a hundred million different like interpretations of what's causing what Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well and there's yeah right and there's no like obvious answer of like yeah this is this is what caused this to happen because everything is so interconnected and there is a lack of information i guess that's part of it right is like in a fantasy story or a science fiction story the author knows quote unquote knows everything that is going on so they can tell you what the narrative is like oh yeah there was a big plague that happened because this rat hopped on this ship and came to this place and like that's what happened yeah that's just it whereas with us there's like limited information even today we just like don't know everything and sometimes can never know everything and so it's right. like oh. well like like okay okay let's let's bring it let's bring it to the book okay yes, yes. like if you're thinking about let's let's think that gavilar and dalinar's like conquest of alethkar that's that's in the history that we're kind of learning yes in the book it's like Gavilar has decided to do this thing and Dalinar and like Sidaeus want to as well. And like it succeeds because of their personal actions <laughs> in general. Yes. But they're like, like the driving if this force was a real, it. If this was a real world, there would be like so many other factors that are affecting like everything right we'd be looking at economics like, we'd be looking at the di- right. diplomatic relations between yeah, yeah 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 that's very true and and so and you wouldn't be able to disentangle them right you would just be like right all of these things influenced it so like it happened we can be sure that this happened but like why or when or what caused it is like a little bit fuzzy some of the some of the batters, battles that are like the main thing in the book could have just been like completely irrelevant (laughs) right like maybe you have one of the high princes that is like financially bankrupting everyone else and that's actually what causes them to unite right they're like oh wow actually we just can't economically sustain this anymore yeah well all right guess we're a guess we're a kingdom now i want to tie this back i want to bring this back with offering a helpful suggestion though at least to not feel guilty And here's the thing that I want. I want, I don't want historical fiction because I think that can also 
that can be fun. And I know there's a genre that's like changing history mm-hmm. in fun ways. I want fiction with a little sprinkling of history in it. And here's what I mean. I want maybe in maybe in the next Stormlight book, um, Florence Nightingale shows up and is just like, hey, I'm here to help on the battlefield. I'm I am gonna help a lot of people because I'm I'm a healthcare worker and I was one of the early healthcare workers <laughs> in this in this time. Uh my name's so Florence like, Nightingale. Remember that. All right, bye. <laughs> and then so like, like a, a real thing from our world just with no effort to make it like plausible. No, no, you can make it plausible, but I just want in the lore a like real thing. So when I'm remembering the okay. deep lore about like like how the emperor of the 40k universe is like dead and undead and lives in a chair that like supposedly keeps him alive i also within that deep knowledge i'm like oh and florence nightingale was like super cool huh nice yeah no i think i would i think i would be on board with that i would i would i would probably i think it would add to my reading experience for sure and and i think it could be done in a way that's subtle to where it's like not obvious like i don't think you should be taking somebody out of the story for that but i think you can just maybe put oh. a character or a battle in there that is like a real person or thing that happened you know kind of yeah. like like an easter egg <laughs> it would re- also really show a lot about the author on like what they put in there Ooh, so true this should be this sh- this should be a rule. Everyone has to put in like one thing and it doesn't have to be big, but you have to put in, you have to put in one like real person or real place. Yeah. 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 That's a requirement from now on for books. I think, I think we can make that. Um, but yeah, I don't, it's really frustrating because it'd be so useful if I read history like I did fantasy oh yeah we would know so much right we would know yeah so much instead we just uh know that sedaeus got stabbed in the eyeball and uh sprinter really cool sprinter sprinter really cool okay with that let's let's fully come to the section that we have read Mm -hmm. which like i said is up to chapter 101 i've got a a few notes um where where do we want to start because i have my first notes are on shallan but it like the time again the timeline for me is kind of strange yeah my first notes are also on shallan so we can start with let's yeah we can start with shallan we might go character by character again okay okay so the first thing i have on shallan is just like kind of good to see her recognizing that the the like drinking thing that we talked about earlier was dumb when in which she like you know was trying to be cool by drinking a ton i think she recognized that that was kind of dumb in this section which was which was which was nice to see yeah it was good to see it was good to see and i i agree i think she she had that realization in this section it's always right. nice when characters and take then, our perspectives, right? Right. I know. I know. They all should. Um, <laughs> and then, like, the, so okay. So, so this is the second time I'm reading this book, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I think the first time I was reading it, I was really like tired of Shalon's split personalities thing. Mm, yeah. And I'm curious if you are as well, because like this second time that I'm reading it, I'm actually kind of into it. Um, I think I am. a. It is like a little bit grating um, because it's like, okay, mm-hmm. come on. These are just like roles you're playing. You're not like, like it's, it does seem like a little much, right? It seems like she went to theater camp. Sure. Nothing wrong with theater camp. She's just very into her roles. Right. Right. She's a big, big method actor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I think like a little bit, but I don't think it like, it's not taking away from my enjoyment of the character. And I totally like seems reasonable as well. Like it seems like based on how Shalon is like coping with her trauma, this is like a useful tool for her. Um, and like how she's able to like function in the different ways that she wants to, this is like how she has to do it. So it seems totally reasonable. It just is kind of annoying when she's like, Oh, radiant would do such a better job at this or like radiant would like to do that, but that's not me. And it's like, uh, I mean, it kind of is though, isn't it? (laughs) I do think that we're building up to like, uh, her next, her next like truth that she has to level up. I think that the the crazy web that she's weaving is is really building that up, which is nice. Yeah, it's cool to see these characters building up to their next level. Like, because yeah. I, especially Shalon and uh, Kaladin, they seem to both be kind of building up to this next level that they have to hit. And it's amazing mm-hmm. that there's this whole... We're, we're going to go off on a little bit of a tangent here, but there's this whole order mm-hmm. of radiance that have been out there forever. And it takes like guidance and stewardship and teachers to like level these uh, squires up to full radiance. Meanwhile, Shalon and Kaladin are just doing it. They're just like, oh, yeah, this is what we have to do. And we're going to be level five someday. Right, like, like like the 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 skybreakers are what you're talking about. Exactly. And their whole process, their whole process is like down to a T. Mm-hmm. So so much so that they like know the ideals. Right. They know all of them. Like Yeah, yeah. And like they they I think just like turn people into squires whenever they feel like it almost. Whereas like Kaladin's trying to figure out how to how to like make his whole bridge for which is with like i don't know force of will right he's doing the normal kaladin thing where he's like yeah i guess i'll just figure it out and make it happen just with like yeah just with sheer force of will so so we've got to give props we've got to give props for that right oh yeah oh yeah we always do we always (laughs) got to give props to kaladin well, hey, hey, I'm I'm gonna I'm uh, gonna put Shalon in this group as well. I don't give a lot of praise to Shalon because she's obviously a psychopath, but right, uh, of course. Shalon is also just like figuring this stuff out on her own. And I will say, I will say, in defense of Shalon, the section with Shalon and Wit where they had their touching moment where she realized she shouldn't be going around bro- like broadcasting that she was giving out food to people. And Wit was like, hey, look, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's okay. We all fuck up sometimes. 
I I like that scene a lot. I thought it was very good. It was a nice scene. It was. It was. Wits Wits there for everyone, kind of in a weird way. But it, yeah. but okay. What's what's your what's your note on Shalon? Uh, so Shalon takes quite a bit of damage. This is going to be much more practical than than character. Uh, but Shalon takes okay. a lot of damage. What what is the limit? Have what is the limit of these radiants? Because we, how much damage do they have to take before they're no longer going to be able to heal from it? Right, because she like gets. Where, does she get stabbed in the chest first? Right off the bat, she goes in the palace and gets stabbed in the chest and thrown with the other dead bodies. And she's like, "Oh, good thing I'm a radiant, because this would have been really bad if I wasn't." And it's like, "Okay, fine, <laughs> I could kind of see that." Also, oh, the other thing, she's not breathing this whole time. She's like choosing to not breathe, and apparently her body's just like, "Oh yeah, stromite will work for that, no problem." <laughs> then. She takes, like, I think she takes a crossbow bolt to the head? Yes. And she, like, is fine after they pull it out. Yeah, this is a good point. Because, like, she's not wearing a helmet in this case. So it's not like, if I if I recall correctly, it seems like that's like a brain shot. Yeah, it hits her in the brain. She has trouble speaking after it happens. So I, I got to think that's like, like the only way you can kill a radiant is like decapitation or something. Even that, I, I don't know. Like, maybe you just put the two pieces back together and the stormlight will fuse it up no problem. <laughs> right. Or, or it's like, think about Lopin. Well, okay, okay. Yeah. Lopin had his arm yeah. cut off decades ago centuries ago he had his arm removed he gets a little bit of stormlight so and I, then sud- suddenly he's regrown an arm yeah, right okay so it seems like it seems like you can regrow anything basically uh-huh but assuming you have stormlight right but i wonder or okay okay, okay let me back up I think that basically if they have stormlight on them at the time of their injury or whatever, uh-huh. they're invincible. That's what it seems like to me. It also feels like that to me. Yes. Which is crazy. It's it seems too powerful, guys. <laughs> like how did two radians <laughs> fight each other? Like, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I I am also curious if there's like old age. Ah, ooh, ooh. I don't know. If, if like, it feels like it should be no. N- but, but but at the same time, we know um, that the skybreakers have like had a lot of people die of old age. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They've so gone I guess, through like generations. But it, but based on what we've learned, it doesn't feel like that should be the case, right? It feels like. If you can take a crossbow bolt to the head and regrow an arm, then you should your body should be able to like heal the stuff from old age using stormlight as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Ah, mm. I would I would in general agree. Yes. So yeah, I don't I don't know about this. I mean, okay, 
We have to make this obligatory point as well because it happens anytime you have somebody who can heal. Uh, there's like a way better way to make meat now than soul casting, right? <laughs> it's probably more efficient. Okay, you're saying you're saying like we just cut off an arm whenever we're hungry, right? And then just storm light it up. You know now, it's, yeah. If if we want to make it a little less less cannibally then I think what we just have to do are uh, train some pigs to be squires. Okay. And then we have squire pigs that can heal from any wounds you give them, and we can eat forever. You know, I love it. I really do. Plus, like, I think that you don't have to eat. Like, you can use stormlight, so, like, you don't even have to feed the pigs. Oh, it's a see, Luke. This is we need to transition to a pure stormlight energy economy. Yes, yes. It Plus, just, now Dalinar's got like some access to the Stormfather. Like, hey, hit me with storms every day to re- replenish. It's a renewable energy energy source. We need to transition to renewables, right. and stormlight incredibly renewable. Incredibly renewable capacity potentially an issue. Just like, just like all renewable energy. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Uh, but no, it's a, it's a, it's a very, it's a very good point. I, I appreciate you bringing up the like, I, the way that you phrased that was very good to me. That just Shalana receiving a bunch of damage, um, because yeah, yeah, a lot of a lot of uh, hit points were lost and gained back by Shalon in this in this section. Right. Some would say most of them. okay so like this whole this whole group i our mission in colonar had big video game energy did you did you feel this way where it's like each one had like a little mission and they were accomplishing these little tasks it really felt almost exactly like i was doing a video game mission no i i 100 agree yeah 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 Especially like a modern video game mission where you have like four different side quests you could do to all contribute to this big main main quest storyline mm-hmm. that you're pursuing. Right. Yeah. Like the the yeah the, okay so so the the main storyline being like they need to they need to regain Kolinar and get the the oath gate and like Shalon's doing like stealing food as like one step in the larger thing that will eventually get her up to the oath gate i don't know i was enjoy. i was i was kind of enjoying it but it was also kind of like it felt like small potatoes in a certain way oh yeah yeah I, to be fair shallan recognized that yeah but you're right it was like yeah. oh there's a big army that's about to completely take over this whole city and you're feeding like 10 people like <laughs> yeah still good still a good thing to do well actually not the best thing you could have done in hindsight in in hindsight sure but um yeah yeah but it felt very shallan right it felt very you know she wants to help people that she sees struggling even if it's in little ways like she did this with her brothers when really what she needed to do was murder her dad a while ago but 
instead she was like hey you're really good at math brother yeah yeah here's a here's a sudoku <laughs> exactly which is yeah. helpful I, I i was for it um okay do you do you have do you have more notes on our on our culinar group um i think the only other thing i want to say about the culinar group ah there's two things i want to say first i don't get why everyone is still so surprised when a woman is in a position of power that's like unusual like especially our group that's Mm -hmm. here like kaladin is the one i'm thinking of like kaladin you've seen so much wild shit like why are we even a little bit surprised that a woman is like running an army here right you're talking about like harm high marshal azur or however we're pronouncing her name yes exactly and kaladin like kind of makes a point about it being a woman and i get i he doesn't like freak out about it or anything but i think he notices that it's like very strange um yeah and it probably tips him off to other things going on fine great um and i will say he doesn't seem to have an issue with it i just think like kaladin you literally flew here so anything's possible my guy (laughs) well i think i feel like this is not even necessarily just on kaladin because like everyone in the army is like not not willing to acknowledge (laughs) that she is a woman and and he asks her why she won't let them and she's like that's literally a hundred percent on them i haven't said anything about it <laughs> and like they too are being like attacked by flying parchment that like glow yeah black yeah or something <laughs> the spren in their city have like completely f- freaked out the queen is like completely lost her mind and they refuse to acknowledge that a woman is leading them in battle yeah, yeah. i don't know it almost seems like harder to keep up the f- the facade than to just be like yeah she- <laughs> she's she's a woman i don't know right right um that okay the other thing I want to bring up about our call in our group, and this kind of happens at the end of the mission. Kaladin is kind of debriefing about what happened, and he's freaking out because he's like, wait, these people shouldn't be fighting at all. Why are they all fighting? We should be mm-hmm. friends. Like, we shouldn't be fighting each other. And he's like looking at the bigger picture, and he's like, everyone's just like following orders, and that's resulting in a bunch of them just like killing each other, but they really wouldn't be killing them each other if they knew each other right right one of one of the groups that he includes in this are the palace guards who are fighting on the side of the queen um right and this this is not the good palace guards that like resisted for a while no these are the palace guards who are like following the queen's like what seems to be a clearly evil commandment. Uh, And the king is literally standing right there being like, hey, stop. And they're not stopping. So you have the like, and, and in this, in this universe, in the Alethi society, the king is supreme, right? Mm -hmm. So like the guard, if we're just going by, authority like chain of command 
sure, the queen might be up there, but the king is the top. So if the king is like, hey, let me into my house, and you're like, no, sorry, the queen said no, you're no longer just following orders at that point. Like, you are disobeying an order. Right. Yes. So... Yeah, okay, yeah, the, the palace guards definitely don't belong in this, like, I don't know, group of people that it should not necessarily be blamed for their actions. The only way I would include them in this, and I feel like Kaladin needed to be a little bit more specific when he's letting them off the hook, is if they were, like, coerced by the the evil spren that Shallan noticed. Right. like which I, which I think that there's some of. I agree. It feels like that's a big push in why they're doing what they're doing, especially because they're acting all weird and they don't seem to be normal at all. Like, that to me... Right should have been the reason why they are not responsible. Not that they're just following the orders of the queen. That's not a good reason, Kaladin. Right. I I agree. I agree. The okay, the I, until you said this, I actually completely forgot. The other big moment in this scene is Moash coming in and stabbing Elokor right when he's about to become a radiant. Right. Yeah. Um, I think I, so I, I, I knew that this was coming, mm-hmm. um, which is why like a few episodes ago when we were talking about Moash, I wanted to see if like you had completely toned on him yet, but I'm guessing we're, we're, we hate Moash. Is that correct? <laughs> um, here's the thing about Moash. I have a suspicion that there's still potentially going to be a turn with Moash. Okay. I still am harboring this suspicion because Moash does like very Kaladin stuff, right? Like the buildup to this is Moash is like looking out for Kaladin's old crew. Right. That are in the Parshendi. And he's like kind of standing up for them. And then one of the fuse takes him aside and is like, hey, look, you're doing like kind of cool stuff. Let me tell you why we're doing what we're doing. And then mm-hmm. Moash is all about it. But we don't learn why they're doing what they're doing. So, right. so maybe <laughs> right. they have a good reason. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm I'm on board with holding out hope. Like, I, I think it was just tough timing. Like, yeah, because <laughs> because we already know that Moash hates and wants to kill the king. So it's like not a huge thing that he ended up finally doing it. It's just like he was doing it right as Elokar was like completing his I don't think redemption arc is the right word, but like right when he was being successful, I guess. Yeah, well, he's made a profound turn, right? We were like Elokar was like the most useless person Probably, like, at the beginning of this book, even. And, like, he acknowledged that and was basically just like, I suck, you all just do everything. And then at the end here, he's totally, like, kind of coming to his own. Like, he's grown up in a way. And it was almost like he was becoming... he's just about to become a Radiant. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And he, like, earned it, too, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was tough. That turn... That, like, hopeful moment with Elokar just being 
completely crushed by Moash was very rough. It was tough to take for sure. Um, <laughs> but I like, oh, I still want to hold out hope for Moash at some point. It's kind of like, okay, you know how it's... in Star Wars, Vader turns at the end and becomes like a good guy? Yes. It's I, Spoilers. I, yeah, sorry. Spoilers. Uh, I'm kind of, an, I'm like <laughs> anticipating that kind of a turn for Moash where he'll be like a pretty big antagonist for most of the series. And then near the end, it's going to be like, I have a good heart. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You know, maybe yeah. his last act that. is a good one. I'm, 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 I'm for that. Sure. Sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And then we, we get a lot of, a lot of the unmade, the, the, the like big boy sprint. Yeah. Um, and then they get sent into Shadesmar, which I actually don't really have any notes for that part. Um, I do have a little note just kind of as a highlight where some of the, we on those little like we keep getting little hints and some of the intros to the chapters are like ideas on what the unmade do. Mm-hmm. And one of them is responsible for the thrill, which I find kind of interesting, but and I still yes. don't really know what the rest of them do. Yes. Well, and I think it's interesting too, because Dalinar starts to kind of recognize this as well. Like when he's visiting the Vedan, Viden city where they had the big war. Yeah. And he's like, wait, did you all, you all had the thrill? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> That's not good. Right. The thrill seems to be bad. It seems to be very bad. And it's interesting because they mentioned that the Alethier, I think they've mentioned this a few times, but the Alethier are known for like having the thrill. Like, like I think this is part of the reason why the Alethier are such a violent culture like compared to the rest of this continent right. is because they like have a lot of instances of the thrill within them. And right and and i i don't know if they say this already there's kind of a hint i don't i don't remember if they say this later outright but there's there seems to be like a like physical proximity to this one spren mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well yeah dalinar like mentions out in... yeah dalinar mentions that he like has felt it less and less recently and he kind of makes a connection that like something is here doing it right yeah Mm. i don't know but at least one of them one of them seems to be good i guess maybe (laughs) tried to help shallan out a little bit kind of yeah i don't know it's hard to tell it's hard to tell um um okay are you ready to talk about dalinar i do want to talk about dalinar i want to talk about just like one thing before we get there though because we we skipped through shadesmar and there's one thing i want to talk about in shadesmar uh so we learned people live there yes what what kind of people luke are like going to live in shadesmar because i imagine it takes a very specific kind of person to be like you know what I want to live in the weird obsidian upside down place with all the beads. Well, so for one thing, you have to 
you have to not get along well with other people. I think. Oh yeah. <laughs> I feel like Yasna might have, have loved to be her like... time there for a while. <laughs> could could be because like the only way you're going down there and staying is if you like have no interest in seeing other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Especially if you're not in one of the Sprint cities. We haven't seen the Sprint cities yet, but I could see them being really nice. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Although, if they're really nice, wouldn't more people go? I guess. I don't... It'd be like a tourist attraction. I don't really know why they're keeping it... Like, is it being intentionally kept a secret? Like, because no one knows about it. Right. Except a few people. Like, Azura knows about it, and... um rock might also know about it right well they say there's like a one of those little entry points in the horn eater peaks Mm -hmm. but so i don't know yeah i hmm. i'm trying to think of who we have met so far that we think would go and just be like yeah i'm gonna this is what i'm about i think i'm just gonna stay you guys yeah Ooh, what about that ardent? I feel like a lot of the ardents would love it. Wait, well, which ardent are you thinking about? The ardent I'm thinking of is the one that really likes reading the romance novel. Oh, okay. From the interlude, yeah. like, do you remember? Completely minor character that was like a five-page chapter. Yeah, yeah, but she was like tired of everybody arguing and just really wanted to go off in the woods and read this romance novel. Yeah, yeah. I I do agree that probably a decent... Well, I mean, I feel like there's plenty of places for the Ardents to go to just, like, do this in the real world. I guess, sure, sure. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I, it seems like Shadesmar has, like, some difficulties that I would really struggle to deal with. Yeah, the whole like attracting like, these like terrifying sprint all the time. Right. Like you can't have any strong emotions or they will come for you. Right. The part where Kaladin is trying to sneak <laughs> up on the guy and the like anticipation sprint come up on him. So good. <laughs> that was good. I love that. It also has me wondering, okay, last thing I want to talk about with Shadesmar is we meet somebody from Shin in Shadesmar. And it sounds like Shin is very similar to our world. Like they have grass and trees and even like some of the technology seems similar. Well, they're the farthest away from where the storms start. So they're like, the winds are pretty minor when it gets there. Mm-hmm. Right. I just wonder like what time period Shin is in that correlates to our world. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yes. Like, we talking medieval? We talking 1800s? How old is Shin? I d- Yeah. I- uh, are, they, are they all hiding smartphones and everybody comes around? They could be. They could be. Um, I feel- I feel like it would just be different, though. More so than, like, more advanced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that could be. I mean- but ha- we haven't we haven't seen a ton. Yeah, we've seen very little, and they have been hiding like several blades, like herald blades, from everyone. Right. 
And it sounds like they've been training people to use them. So, I don't know. Something's going on in Shin. Seems like they should end up being some major players. More yeah, so than they have been. Probably, yeah. yeah. We've had a very Alethi-focused... It's a very Alethi-centric perspective we've gotten so far. Right, yeah, yeah. It's time to broaden that a little bit. <laughs> no, I no, I agree. I mm. agree. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, let's talk about Dalinar. But, okay, okay, okay. So, the 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 main notes that I have are just about his like flashbacks, right? Because in this section, he remembers, he remembers the big thing. Yeah. <laughs> which is, which is his like massacre of this city. And his wife, unknowingly. Um, and his wife. Yes. Which like, ooh. And <laughs> big, big oof. Big oof. Down uh, not a, not a great look. I just want to say though, like, so he hasn't remembered this for how this was what, like 15 to 18 years ago, something in that timeline. Yeah. Well, okay. Okay. So it happened that long ago. I don't think he actually did the, he didn't do the like memory wiping thing until like, let's say five, let's say five years. Yeah. I feel like. This might be just like me being a a product of like our current like media environment, but like in their political situation, yeah, like there's people making arguments against each other. Mm-hmm. I feel like the other high princes should be like spreading or like using this as an argument for why he shouldn't be in charge. Oh, yeah. Like in the previous books, right? When they didn't want him to be in charge. Uh-huh. Uh huh. 100%. I have no see idea. a ton of evidence of that. I have no idea how they, they. Unless, like, unless it was all over the place and, like, just the magic kept Dalinar from, like, hearing it. Right. Like, maybe. So, maybe this is why everybody seemed to be super against Dalinar when we didn't understand why. Because you remember, like,. Mm-hmm. The first three, the first two books were like, Dalinar seems so reasonable. He's willing to compromise. He wants what's best for everyone. Yeah. Like, why is everybody going against him? Is it? It can't just be that Sadeus is that good of a politician that he's like, "Hey, work against your best interest, please." Uh, right. And so maybe Sadeus had been like constantly talking about how Dalinar was the one who made him burn the whole town or burn that whole city. And Dalinar just couldn't hear him saying it. <laughs> right. There's like protests all the time and like flyers up that are talking about this. But Dalinar just like can't see them. Right. Exactly. Which kind of plays into the narrative that he's crazy even more. Ooh, I like that. Like, sure, Dalinar is seeing visions, but he also just like completely ignores the fact that we're bringing up this city that he burned and he just like when we start talking about it he just glaze his eyes glaze over and he looks like he's not even hearing us like that guy's crazy (laughs) that is big evidence for crazy if i'm being honest right right and so maybe like because i was also like i was also super surprised that this never came up to him like i get that the name was being Mm -hmm. censored like evie i get that he couldn't hear evie's name Mm -hmm. but he's talking to other world leaders to like bring them on board with this coalition 
And none of them mentioned once that he burned a whole city because it didn't do what he wanted. That seems like huge evidence right. for not doing what you want, for not letting him in. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like the main one. Right. Right. It's it's way bigger than just, yeah, you're a good conqueror and you fight good. It's like, yeah, you massacred a city. That's not okay. Like the entire population of a city and didn't let them right. didn't let anyone escape. Right. That's a huge war crime. So no, we're not gonna join you, Dalinar. Bye. So yeah it's gotta be that like it was censored from him as well he just didn't know it i assume so (laughs) you're right that it really makes like the opposition to him make so much more sense especially even now when he's had so much trouble uniting everybody right like i gotta think like okay so for example like the uh like prime from azir the the kid that that we've seen Uh uh-huh like overrules people to go see him because of what we've what we've read. Yeah. And <laughs> like if I'm a citizen of Azir, yeah. I'm like not thrilled <laughs> that he's going and like inviting Dalinar in. Yeah. Well, I mean, it does explain the response, right? He shows up and it's like the entire city is on red alert. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I I agree. This it explains a lot. It had to have been brought up to him multiple times cuz this is a huge event in like I hope this is a huge event in the history of this continent. Right. I mean, there okay, so there's a little bit of propaganda that's like kind of misleading the public about what happened, but I still like I think it was still pretty bad. It was extreme. Too extreme. Yeah. Right. right. The, and the the propaganda is like, oh, whoops, they like accidentally burned the city and no survivors. I don't know. Like, I feel like I can see through that a little bit. Right. Right. It's like, yeah, the city lit, lit on fire during the fighting. Okay. Then where are all the people that fled? Uh, well, right. it was a big fire. <laughs> like really spread quickly. Yeah. Uh huh. The other thing, the other thing that's wild about this, so the Stormfather, like, knows Dalinar did this, uh-huh. and the Stormfather was still like, "Yeah, this guy, this guy's my guy. I'm gonna start showing him the messages about uniting, <laughs> uniting them." That's right. Stor- the Stormfather had to choose. Well, I, I don't know if he had to choose one person, but he specifically chose Dalinar as the, like, recipient of his unite them, like, plea. <laughs> After knowing that Dalinar did this. It's, it's a, it's a, I don't know, strange choice. I will say we learn a teeny bit more, not to take us off this, but a teeny bit more about, like, the Bondsmiths. Mm-hmm which Dalinar is and how there's only ever been, there's only a max of three and Mm -hmm. like their powers are like kind of unknown. So this was unfortunate because we had talked about how it's absurd that that Dalinar doesn't know his powers in the last episode, but actually Mm -hmm. it's explained that like, yeah, no one actually really knows what the bondsmith can do. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. 
Which the fact that there's three also kind of ties into the three kind of gods that exist. So probably a connection there. Could be. Could I be. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know though, Luke. Uh <laughs> is there anything else you want to talk about with Dalinar? No, that's all I have for Dalinar. Okay. Uh let's just go to a small and insignificant note. So Seth is training to become a skybreaker. Mm-hmm. And he has the super dark sword that like wants to consume everything when you pull it out, right? Yes. He's been told not to open it. Yes. It's super dangerous. Don't do it. Don't do it. And he doesn't for a really long time until he is in the presence of a nobleman who has been convicted and sentenced to be executed. He is surrounded by skybreakers. There's no risk to him. There's no chance this nobleman is going to flee. And he decides, you know what? It's time to bust out that evil killing sword. Right. No, what? Right. That's the moment. That is the opposite of the moment where you pull the sword out. Seth? (laughs) Yeah. This guy's not going anywhere. (laughs) It was a big drama, though, right? (laughs) Yeah, sure. But I don't think he was given the sword because he had a a flair for the dramatic. Right. No, I no, I a hundred percent agree with you. It seemed like, especially because he like didn't really hesitate. <laughs> no, he just kind of was like, "This is the time." Right. Like, uh, I don't know. Maybe he hadn't done it before, so he he didn't know. So, like, maybe honestly, he doesn't know what's going to happen. So he's surrounded by his allies maybe it's a good time to experiment uh i think okay so he's like kind of calling the swords bluff a little bit here yeah he's kind of like all right fine i will take you out and use you let's see what happens and it went poorly yeah very poorly although it sounds like he was just like kind of figuring out how to plan to use it again because he's like oh i'm gonna need a lot of stormlight if i use this sword yeah so Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's... Okay, so my my last note is also on Seth, um, and the Skybreakers. Okay, and I feel like these chapters are a little bit, a little bit of of Seth character building and a little bit of letting us know like what's going on with the Skybreakers and like how how these work when they're like organized correctly. Mm-hmm. But so they're taking Seth through these trainings with like their other apprentices or like people that want to join and like testing them against each other on equal footing. Mm-hmm. But like they know who <laughs> Seth is, right? That he's the assassin in white. Like, right. This guy is incredibly famous for being a like, unstoppable fighter (laughs) and they're like okay let's test you guys' combat abilities with this little like uh game of dodgeball Ooh, i don't know like give me seth i already know like if i'm one of these masters (laughs) looking for a 
looking to draft a squire like yeah let me pick him we yeah didn't he's have first to round draft thing. pick for sure it's interesting okay okay the other crazy thing about this is they had to they had to know about Sezeth, right because these are people whose sole job is keeping justice like pursuing justice and Sezeth yes. is going around murdering people left and right like he is going around committing big, huge, fat, nasty crimes everywhere. Right. He is like the most notorious criminal on the continent. I mean, from my perspective, yes. They were afraid of him. Yeah. Nobody was so. nobody was going after Sezeth. He was like so vulnerable. He was like like constantly out in the open. Like he, uh, they must have been terrified of him. Right. I mean, okay. So, so I will say, like their stated objective as an order is like pursuing justice. I guess. Yeah. But they're led by the herald, whose real, like, kind of crazy idea of what they should do is to like prevent people from bonding spread. Right. And so you know what's an even better reason for them to be trying to kill him? <laughs> are you are you saying because he can he could use the 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 like windrunner powers? Yeah, because all the stories of him are him jumping off of walls and flying around. <laughs> right. I th- I think the the main gist of this is like we're we can't trust the skybreakers. I think that's true, and I think there's probably, if we went back in the history and got the perspective of somebody in the Skybreakers, they would be, like, sitting around a table talking about what what criminals they'd apprehended this week, and a messenger runs in and is like, hey, guys, uh, just got back from uh, Ja Kaved, and, oh, man, the assassin in white is just killing everybody out there, like... <laughs> The the Azir just elected a new prime and then immediately he was killed by the assassin in white. This guy has nothing that is stopping him. Somebody's got to take care of him. And then all the skybreakers just kind of look at each other quietly and are like, are you going to do it? I'm not going to do it. <laughs> and then nobody steps up and they go back to talking about how many burglaries they stopped. Right. There, yeah. There's got to be some dissent in the ranks. <laughs> I don't know though. He seems scary. Well, like if if not dissent, at least like some disillusionment, right? Yeah, it's got to be tough to recruit when when people are like, "What about that assassin and white guy? Are you guys are you guys on that or what's the deal with that?" And they're like, "Oh yeah, don't worry, we're on it, we're on it." Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It looks bad. It doesn't. Yeah, it certainly doesn't look good. Um. It's tough. We do like though how he seems to be kind of flourishing. He does. Here. Which yeah. is which is really nice. Seems to be a lot of growth coming from Seth. <laughs> I'm for it. Yeah. Last thing I want to talk about, Luke, is an important question I have for you. Okay. Navani has called a meeting with literally every other monarch in town. Mm-hmm. And she tells you 
you have to bring your own chair. What's your response? Are you asking me which chair I bring or what? Do, how do I respond to her when she tells me that? Either way, I'm leaving this completely open to you, Luke. She's just told you you have to bring your own chair. What do you do? Um. Okay, so so I first like confirm with a bunch of people to be like, that's actually like I'm actually supposed to. Um, <laughs> right, like it's not a prank. And right, <laughs> and then I bring the most inconspicuous chair I can find Ooh. as like my personal like thing. Yeah. Well, I guess obviously it would depend on what like role I had in this world, but like if it's me, Luke, going yeah, to Luke. this meeting, I'm bringing like, I don't know, a folding chair. Ooh, like one of those brown metal folding chairs? Yeah. Hmm. Okay, let's say you're King Luke. Are you still bringing one? You know, I think so, because, well, I don't know. Because, like, there's a point here where she tells Dalinar, like, Dalinar wants to bring, like, a stool, and she's like, no, like, I get that you want to convey, like, strength, but there's, like, more to it than that. Yeah. So, I feel like I would, like... I would go to like some artists from my nation and be like, Hey, like, what do you think? (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) You would find, here's what you would do. You would find the most boring person you could. So the equivalent of lifts spren and you would be like, Hey, give me your best. Good, good callback. By yeah, the way. right. Lift spread would be is loving a, is it. A, is a chair gardener. Lift. Okay, this is like paradise. Ooh, for I forget his name, Wendell. I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you? Okay, would is Wendell the kind of chair connoisseur who would be excited about this, or would he be critical? Would he be going around with a critical eye, or would he be going around like complimenting everyone on their chair? I think excited. I don't know if necessarily like complimenting everyone, but I think he's excited. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I think he's I think he's a he's a good person to bring to this rather than like a downer. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you here. He feels like he feels like he'd be quietly excited to be in the room. Yeah, yeah, for sure, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I've been trying to think of how I It's a shame that we don't get his perspective. I know. I know. I think this would be... Well, I wonder if this is why the tradition started. Because there's Mm -hmm. a lot of lost knowledge in this world and a lot of lost knowledge about the spread. Right. Maybe the reason you ask everybody to bring their own chair is you want to attract the chair gardening spread. (laughs) Could be. For some reason. Could be. You want some edge dancers coming to your meeting. Maybe this is how the edge dancer squires happen, is a big meeting of chairs. I mean, I think all meetings should be like this. No, this is terrible. If if Navani asked me to bring my own chair, I'd be so pissed. (laughs) Chairs are like so hard to transport. 
especially <laughs> that's that why they're, I'm going folding chair. They're bringing it up an elevator. Like this sucks. Yes. I think my yeah. chair's got wheels. It's on also it. like such. It's, you definitely got wheels. It's also such a like diplomatic nightmare <laughs> for like some smaller like the nations that are slightly below azir mm-hmm. it's like ah god damn it now we gotta like jump i don't know like thread this needle of like what to bring you've got to coordinate with them like how high their chairs can be so no one's like taller than the prime yeah. but but like also you don't want to be shorter than everybody else in the room it's tough it's really tough Huge also and the other part of it is what's the seating arrangement going to be? You can't put out the chairs with little name tags in front because there's no chairs right. there yet. So where's everybody even going? I, th- I think they they needed more guidelines than just bring your own chair. That's too little. Yeah. Also, is it a power move to not bring one? <laughs> I was going to say also big assumption that I want to sit in a chair. Right. Right. Is it a power move to just not bring one and be like, actually, I'm kind of into the whole standing desk movement right now. And I think I'm just going to stand. Yeah. Great for your posture. Great for your posture. You look way more commanding among everyone else. You look like the leader if you're standing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pace around a little bit. <laughs> 15 minutes in have to ask someone if you can borrow their chair because standing is actually kind of (laughs) hard it's a long meeting it's it's incredibly long yeah yeah i think this was wild um, i think this is wild yeah um okay i'm gonna do some rapid fire uh little tidbits that we learned that are supporting some of my theories and then we can wrap up okay sounds good okay First, theory. Theory that there's just like kind of equality, like that there's no good and bad in this world. There's just like two different sides. Uh, We've seen a few bits of evidence for this with like Moash apparently being convinced to join the Voidbringers. Uh, So it's clearly not along racial lines. It's clearly more along ideological lines that this... Mm -hmm. Mm this desolation is happening. We also see that from the past visions where wild men were fighting other men. So like clearly it's along ideological lines and not uh, racial lines, which the fact that Dalinar didn't figure this out already is ridiculous. But (laughs) there's also a lot of parallels between the two sides. And one that I can't believe I didn't figure out until now is the like glowing eyes thing. Like, the enemies, the powerful enemies on both sides have like essentially have like glowing eyes, quote unquote. They're right. Ju- like they're the, just the, like the Voidbringers have glowing red eyes. Yeah. Yeah, they're just like different colors. Like the light eyes are like it's the same concept. They're like eyes change. Mm-hmm. And that's how you know that they're the big bad ones. <laughs> right. And so from either perspective, you just have to be like, yeah, they're look at their eyes. Their eyes are crazy. Kill them. <laughs> sure um and uh yeah like mm, i think that's all i want to go with right now i'm gonna i'm gonna have a lot of theories 
for next episode, Luke. Okay. We're going to have a lot of theories for next okay. episode. So strap in, everybody, because we're finishing this freaking book next week. We're finishing it. That's right. I'm excited. Finishing the book. We'll finally be caught up with Luke and everything. We, Luke will know everything we know and we will know everything Luke knows. So I'm excited for that. We'll see everybody next week and we'll bring the hot takes and be the dumb nerds. Yeah.